back to another episode of the Tango Banter. I am Yelizaveta, and today we are continuing our discussion on the theme of practice. Last week we talked a bit about what practice entails uh, for you in your tango journey and the possibilities of multiple ways of practicing. And I talked a little bit about the mindset behind practice. Today, we're going to dive into more on the topic of how to find the right practice partner for you. Now, this topic is uh, somewhat conflicting because on the one hand, we all need practice partners. We all need to excel and get better in this very hypothetical way because when you practice you get better but a lot of times maybe you don't have interest in getting better maybe you're satisfied with where you're at and you don't really have a desire to work extra and that's totally fine I'm here to tell you that there is no right way just because you don't practice doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. And I mentioned this right at the beginning because I do sense that there's a little bit of a judgment that gets passed around among people towards dancers who choose not to practice. Dancers who are considered that they're, they're lazy or they might uh, not respect the dance enough to put in time to practice outside of the milonga and practica time. And I think it's really not a big deal. I feel that over the years that I've been dancing, tango puts you through different phases of development. And there are certain times along that trajectory that you might find yourself not wanting to practice at all and just focusing on dancing, which is what I did for quite some time. I didn't care to practice. I just wanted to dance. I wanted tango to be very casual. I wanted to be fun, a hobby, something that I enjoy doing, not something that I'm trying to perfect. And then other times along my developmental uh, trajectory in tango, I definitely did want to practice and hone skills of different kinds and drill. So I would spend hours and hours uh, practicing something very specific, making videos of myself, watching those videos, trying again. And that was relevant at that point. So I just want to put that out there from the beginning that if you're listening to this and you might feel any kind of um, requirement um, to do something more than what you're doing now. And as I say that, I realize I am that kind of person, you know? A lot of times when I, when I hear somebody say that something should be done, like I remember in a yoga class as a young yoga practitioner, if I heard the teacher say, if you do this for 30 days, it's really good for your knees. And without even thinking about whether that was the right thing for me to do, I would just do it. And so anything that anybody would say to me, I'd be like, oh, they think that 
I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to do this. So if you're that kind of uh, personality, I want to put your mind at ease and really throw out uh, some suggestions your way that might make it easy for you to assess where you are and what kind of practice, if any, you really need for your dance right now. So when you're looking or thinking about uh, getting a practice partner, there's a few steps I believe uh, you should take first. And those are steps to ensure that you understand for yourself why it is that you want a practice partner and what end goal you're looking for. Because there's a big difference between if you just want some extra time, extra dedicated time to dance with someone outside of the Malanga Practica, and you want to train for some sort of a championship performance or a competition, and so your practice is dedicated to creating a sort of uh, an opportunity to hone your choreography and things like that. So we want to see where you are on that spectrum. And so the first thing I would say is you should ask yourself, what is your goal? What is your end goal that you want from your practice time? And I suspect that for men, it's a little bit easier to answer that question than for women. And I say that because it was very hard for me as a woman to answer that question for a long time, whereas my practice partners, uh, of which I've had multiple, they always seem to be very clear with themselves what they were after. And granted, most of the time, as I mentioned in the last episode, most of the time it had to do with drilling particular vocabulary. And that was a few years ago that I was partnering with dancers like that. And at that point, I couldn't really tell what I wanted out of the practice. I think the most I could think of is that I wanted some sort of validation. You know, I wanted the validation that this dancer who I considered to be good wanted to dance with me and wanted to partner with me. So there was a little bit of a different state of mind that I was in. So if you find yourself in a similar emotional state, I would invite you to kind of confront that a little bit, confront that ambiguity, that, that fog of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I want. I just, I just want to be better. I just want to, or I want to feel better about my dance and it makes me feel good to dance with this person. Those are fine, but I would say in order for you to really get what you want from this experience, it's good to be clear about what your end goal is so that you can have a better chance of attracting a practice partner that will help you towards that goal. Otherwise, it's a little bit sort of free-for-all and it will be sort of unpredictable. You won't necessarily have a sense of gauging whether somebody is going to help you or not to progress, right? So what is your overall goal through practice? Decide on that. For me, as a social dancer, uh, my recent 
uh, overall goal for practicing has been to work on my musicality. Uh, that's what I find the most interesting. So my orientation is always the music and what sort of songs I'm listening to at the time. Maybe I hear a non-tango song that I get curious about, and so I want to practice dancing to it. Maybe I want to um, work on dancing to a particular orchestra where I'm really working out how I can um, better illustrate what I'm hearing uh, with my body. So those are some of the overall goals that I have and the people that I practice with sort of have to support that goal to, for me, you know, and that's what I consider to be very important. Now, the second thing that you should consider that's very important and again, uh, I think goes a little bit unnoticed is your learning style. And I would even say your practicing style. What kind of learner and practitioner are you? What do you like? Now, again, there's a little bit of a, uh, a danger here that when I say, what kind of practitioner are you? I know that for some of you, what will come to mind is what kind of practitioner you should be, what kind of practitioner you're working towards being. And, and that's very different. It's always, whenever we get into that sort of state of mind where we're really thinking about what we wish we were, then it's kind of like we're putting ourselves in this place of always aspiring to be better than we are, which is important, but not, not at this stage, because first you just need to understand who you are naturally, right? What is your natural mode of operation? Are you a pretty relaxed, leisurely kind of person and you um, maybe you have a hard time being on time and you sort of go through life in a little bit more relaxed uh, view and perception or maybe you are the opposite. You're very organized, everything has to be on time, so your practice time needs to be really clearly defined with a clear structure. So on that spectrum, again, neither one of them is right or wrong. That's really important to keep reminding yourself. So if you're having this, this feeling of like, oh, it's better to be this way. I really need to be this way. I need to strive to be more structured or I need to be, I strive to be more relaxed. It's like you possibly don't have to. It's, it, there's a whole range that people fall under. And so you just need to understand what comes easiest to you. Because honestly, when it comes to longevity of practicing something, getting better, progressing, and investing that energy over time, if it's not coming from a place that you're maximizing your assets and your natural abilities, it's going to be very hard to keep it going. At some point, you're just going to burn out. But if it's kind of fits with your personality and your schedule and it's fairly easy and it doesn't really require you to do something more uh, unnatural or more rigorous on a constant basis, uh, then it will, you know, it'll be something that's just there uh, supporting you. So for me, for example, I learned about myself that I really don't like practicing in the evenings. Like if I get together to um, practice in the evening, 
typically it's just going to be dancing. It's not going to be actual practicing. Um, I'm not going to necessarily have the same focus that I have during the day. And I don't necessarily like to practice in the mornings because mornings I like to spend doing other things. So my practice time usually is the best time for me is in the afternoons, um, somewhere between uh, 12 and five or something. And And that's kind of like, I know that about myself, right? The other thing I know about myself is that I rarely have uh, any sort of agenda or structure. I have a general idea of what I want to practice, but I'm not attached to it because 9.999 times out of 10, I do something different than what I plan on because it's kind of like you get into it and then you're sort of in the moment and you get inspired to do something else and your mind just kind of goes with that. So I tend to keep it pretty relaxed in terms of agenda and kind of have just a, an overall feeling of what I want to accomplish. And so that's kind of my style. I'm, if you can't tell, I fit on the more leisurely side of the spectrum. I really um, despise being rushed and structure is something new that I'm experimenting with in my life these days, even though uh, I've always been a highly ambitious and highly productive person. At the same time, I've been very committed to hanging on and, and protecting the, the side of myself that is lazy. <laughs> so if I do too much to stifle that lazy part of me because somehow I judge myself for it or I feel like I'm not supposed to be that way. I tell you, it will, it will come back to bite me in the ass eventually. And I always pay dearly when I don't respect it. So I tend to uh, try to honor that part of myself and accommodate it as much as possible, making my practice as conducive as possible to my flow and my personality. Now, the next question is really important. Uh, I mean, they're all very important as you can tell, but I, I think this question is so, um, interesting to consider, even if you're not, uh, looking for a partner. Uh, I think I've talked about this in my other episodes. And that is that what is, your dance style what style of tango do you like and it's a big question that i am still answering for myself and the the answer changes so you better start asking it now if you if you haven't asked it before but i talked about how there's a difference between if you're a performance track dancer where you're training to be on stage and have more of this kind of showmanship that you're developing or if you're more on the social tango side and then let's just say that we're going to assume that most of you are social social track uh i i'm assuming that but maybe i'm wrong but let's just go that with that uh, assumption for now if you're a social dancer there's some categories within social dance that you might consider and ask yourself where you fit in. And to answer that question, 
you can assess what kind of music you like. I keep talking about music and how music is important. And this is one of those um, instances where your musical taste and the songs that you like to dance to and the songs that you notice always make you move like you're not even having to try. Like it's so easy when this orchestra comes on, it's like you go and you just shine. So everybody has that. And if you keep track of which orchestras, uh, which songs do, do that for you, then you can begin to assess and sort of form a, a, um, a blueprint of what style you like to dance to. And that will be important because you definitely don't want to partner up with somebody who is the opposite style. So if you are a person who really loves very rhythmic and energetic and peppy move movements with a lot of action and a lot of uh, excitement in the music, then you might not want to partner with somebody who is actually really into some sort of um, more laid back, lazy music that's a little bit more calm and relaxed. So it, it you know, it depends. So you might have a clash there. So you can, it, there's a whole, you know, uniqueness to you and how you perceive yourself, but it's good to have that awareness of what kind of dancer are you? What is your style? What do you like to listen to? What do you like to dance to? What do you really don't like dancing to? Uh, it's good to have those uh, pieces sort of in your awareness. And then the last thing that you want to consider uh, is what are your deal breakers? You want to be aware of what can you absolutely not tolerate, okay? And it does not matter how superficial that is, okay? When it comes to choosing a practice partner, I do believe a lot of times some people have the mindset of beggars can't be choosers. And I know that a lot of women in particular feel that way. And so you might say that uh, you just want a practice partner, doesn't matter who it is. And you'll say yes, even though there'll be something about that person that you don't like. It might be as small as the way their breath smells, or it might be their cologne. It might be their height, too short or too tall. Whatever it is, if it's, a, if it's a deal breaker for you because you're just the kind of person that just happens to really not like something, honor that, please, please. I beg you to just accept that about yourself, okay? I don't know how many conversations I've had with women about this. Even most recently, my best friend who was dating somebody and she was saying that he was a great guy and checked out on paper and just like had all these wonderful qualities, but she could not get over his teeth. Okay. There's just something about his teeth just bothered her and she couldn't get over it. She couldn't put it aside. Every time she thought of it, she had to kind of do this compromise thing and, and say, well, he's got all these other things, but 
You know, it's like it's no big deal. Nobody gets everything. Nobody gets a 10 out of 10. You got to compromise somewhere. <laughs> Here's what I say to that. If it starts out being something you don't like and you test it out and you don't mind it and it it's not a deal breaker, somehow it shifts. You know, you meet somebody and you typically, you know, don't like people with long hair, but this person here, you kind of don't mind it and it's okay, then that's fine. But if it's something that it's just kind of like you can't get over, you know, nobody else has this issue, but you just, you just like that and it just bothers you every time. If it's that, really pay attention to that and honor that and respect that because there's a reason for it and do not go against that because if you go against that, it's kind of like, you're basically discounting your own needs and desires. You're putting somebody else's needs and desires ahead of yours. And that doesn't pay off. Honestly, you can do that all day long. It never gives back as much as you think, you know, so you might as well be kind of selfish on this and just decide, you know, for me, sometimes there are partners that I was working with that that were perfectly fine, but then something about our personality, you know, there's just something about how they perceived the world or how they talked or something about their manner just made me a little bit uneasy where I kind of maybe didn't trust them very much or kind of held back. And, you know, I, I would try for a few weeks, months, and then eventually it was like, you know what? No, I, I don't want it. I, I really wanted to be um, very conducive to who I am so that there's this openness between us. So those four questions is something I would recommend that you consider. What is your goal? What is your learning style or practice style? What is your dance style? And what are your deal breakers? And once you have that, and maybe this is something ongoing that you are uh, constantly reflecting on, and it will change over time, right? Because we're very dynamic beings and we will change our minds and uh, evolve. Now I want to talk a little bit about what to do once you are looking for a partner and you've decided what you want, you've decided what your goal is. The first thing I want to say is do not settle for anything less than what you're imagining in your mind. So if you want to work with somebody who is interested in working on musicality and you get a proposition from someone who is really interested in working on choreography and you hate choreography, say no. Okay. Do not settle for the first thing that comes to you. Okay. So that's just, I'm putting that out there first. Um, I would also advise against publicly announcing that you're looking for a partner. That's kind of a traditional way these days to, sometimes I see posts uh, and typically I see them by men, leaders who are looking for followers, but it'll be like a public announcement. I am so-and-so, I'm this tall and I weigh this many pounds and here's what I'm looking to do and contact me if you fill this and this and this criteria. I... Maybe that works for people, but I, I don't go for that. Like, 
if I'm looking for a partner, I probably would not reach out to somebody who's doing that on social media just because it it feels like I'm auditioning for something. Also, if you are putting it out there, you kind of, again, don't know what you're going to get back. And a lot of times you're not getting, you're not going to get the quality of the dancer that you really might want to dance with. Okay. So I wouldn't just put it out there in this blanket way in an open, you know, sort of discussion that you need a partner. And also don't assume that the person that you really want to practice with will say no. So that's something that I notice many dancers feel when they're perhaps beginner in, in some way, whether it's like a follower learning to lead or it's a, <clears throat> a follower who is learning uh, the next level of, of technique and they want to practice. So you want to practice with somebody slightly maybe uh, either at your level or better, but you might automatically think, oh, they're not going to want to dance with me because I'm too beginner. I'm too this. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too short. Like, we'll throw out these reasons that it's like, oh, no, I'm I'm not good enough. So that was that's going to happen. You're going to think that. But I would say don't trust that. Don't listen to it. You know, let it let it be there. You might think that, but don't... Um, don't allow it to sway your determination because that's just paper tigers. Okay. Now the next phase of this process is for you to start taking note of who it is in your community that you really enjoy dancing with. Make a mental list of all the people, especially at practicas, right? It's generally true that whenever there's a practica, the dancers who go to practicas a lot of times are dancers who want to practice. Even though some practicas these days can be more like a milonga, but still more often at practicas, there is a general desire to practice something. So pay attention when you go to practica, who do you jive with? You, um, want to make sure that you dance well with them, you enjoy their company. And so that might take some time for you to assess. So kind of allow this process to take some time, right? Don't rush it. So what I would do is take note of uh, who I like to dance with, and then I would engage with them outside of dance and see how I get along with them in terms of conversation. Do we see eye to eye? Do we connect? Is it fun? Is there a sense of humor? Is there kind of a social alignment there? And that then would encourage me, let's say there's a few people who are potentials that I'm like, yeah, this is going really well. It works really well with them in different contexts. Then maybe you invite them to take a class together, provided that you kind of have a sense of which role you want to uh, practice, you can choose uh, a class and go together and have that be sort of a test drive to see how things work. Okay. And then don't shy away from stressful situations, especially when there's disagreement about who's right and who's wrong, who's doing what 
wrong. Those are going to be your best opportunities to examine whether you can make it work with somebody long term. Ideally, whenever there's disagreement or some sort of um, conflict arising, ideally both people are able to show up and without too much emotionality resolve the conflict and find a way to work through things. It requires that you and your partner are willing to take feedback and give feedback. That's a really important piece there because what I'm noticing a lot is that typically leaders or men are very eager to give feedback, including on the social dance floor at the Milonga, which is a big, big no-no, no matter what. So those of you out there listening to me, please take it seriously, leaders. No feedback on the Malanga floor. It does not matter whether the person is a raw beginner or not. There should not be any instruction going on. And followers, ladies, most of you, if a leader starts offering you any kind of feedback on the Malanga floor, not practica, practica is okay, but on the Malanga floor, if you start getting feedback, no matter how beginner you are, you have my permission to give them a warning first, and to ask them not to give you feedback because it's inappropriate. And if they don't heed your warning, you have my permission to end the tanda and walk off the floor. Seriously. There's absolutely no reason for this kind of interaction to happen on the social dance floor. There needs to be mutual respect in this context. So in the terms, in the context of a practice practice session, I want to encourage the followers, the women most of the time, to practice speaking up and to offer feedback, even if it's critical, especially if it's critical, and find ways to communicate what it is that you believe is happening or what you think should be done. You have your own perspective You have your own voice, so let that come out. No matter how um, unpolished and clumsy it might be, it's practice. This is one of the things that you're practicing, especially for women, especially for followers. You have to practice expressing what you're feeling physically in your body so that you build that communication bridge and you are able to constructively express what you're experiencing. Very, very important as part of the learning process. So once you sort of have a sense that somebody is... um, good to practice with and you've taken a class with them and maybe you've had a point a few points of conflict but it seemed like you worked through that and it was great then just ask them right ask them to meet up for practice and off you go so then from there once you start practicing you keep asking these questions keep reflecting from the very beginning what are your goals what are your practice style? What is your practice style? What is your dance style? Like you're still building out the definition for that. And you're also sort of practicing assessing your own interactions with them and how they treat you and how you treat them and 
And it's all part of this ongoing self-development. It's, it's part of who you are as a dancer. So you're not just practicing moves. You're not just practicing vocabulary or sequences. You're practicing expressing yourself. You're practicing showing up in a different way. You're practicing being more confident, more assertive, or more receptive, uh, quieter, maybe. Some of you have the opposite problem. Maybe you talk too much. You give too much feedback. You're too critical. So the opportunity to work with someone in a practice setting is an invitation for friction, Okay, it's not an invitation to just get better at tango and become a better dancer, technically speaking. It's also involving this other side, which has nothing to do with physical movement, we call tango, but everything to do with who we are as individuals, as dancers in the community, and how we relate to other people. Ultimately, Ultimately, the result of working with someone should feel lighthearted and it should feel like play. The more you can lean in to this idea that you just want to play, you want the process to feel playful and lighthearted, the more successful it will be. The more it feels like work and requirement and something you have to do, the more effort is required to do it, the less progress you're going to experience, the harder it's going to be to get results. But to get the quickest progress, you know, this is true of anything. If you want to progress the fastest in something, you want to be able to enjoy it. And what do you enjoy? You enjoy playfulness, right? We all like to play. We all like to have fun and laugh and make it, um, you know, a lighthearted experience. So this stands in quite a bit of contrast to this idea of no pain, no gain, which for some people is a really important concept. And I know dancers who are more on the professional track or with performances and training for uh, championships or performing with a group, this idea of no pain, no gain is its own reward. You're kind of, you know, you might really love the um, the arduous work and the sweat and the pain, putting yourself through a lot of suffering and struggling to get to the other side and get your reward. And that's fine. That's fine. There's a certain type of personality that thrives on that. Here, I'm just offering more uh, broad range of possibilities for how you could feel. And in terms of longevity, if we're looking for introducing longevity into any kind of process, whether it's practice or, you know, learning something new or cooking or cleaning the house, uh, any activity, if you can make it more fun and it can be more playful, you're more likely to do it, right? It's kind of obvious. So this is no exception. I think that practicing tango should give you an opportunity to feel better about yourself, better about your dance. And you really want to work with somebody who helps you feel better. So if if you're practicing with someone who's kind of making you feel that you're always having to fix yourself or that 
they kind of make you feel that you're never enough, that you need to do something different, uh, or that uh, there's something wrong with you. If you, if, if ever that is a feeling that you have with someone, I would say, don't practice with them. <laughs> and it might not have anything to do with the other person. Maybe it's just the personality clash, right? Maybe that person would do really well with someone else who's got a different personality type. But I know for me, it was really important that I was working with someone who was very supportive of me, even though I didn't really know what that looked like. But eventually, it was something that I really was striving for. And since I can see the incredible progress I've made in the last year that I've been now practicing with my current partner, uh, I can now tell that there's nothing more exciting than an attitude of play and an experience of play when it comes to dance and having a dance partnership with someone. So, so that will be my contribution to the subject of how to choose the right practice partner for you. I'm curious about your experience with practice partners and especially if they have been negative. I know there's some horror stories out there. So if you want to share them, I would invite you to contact me on social media at I'm So Tango or email me at connect at I'm So Tango.com. I've been getting some really juicy questions and great topics that I will be covering in various forms on this podcast, on my social media, and inside my private Facebook group. So if you haven't joined my Facebook group yet, there's a link in the show notes below. I hope I see you soon. Have a great week. And we'll talk next week at the next Tango Banter. Ciao.